Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app today and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. NFL Draft has officially come to an end. Your Vegas Nation host, Cassie Soto, here with you after the Raiders drafted nine new players. They're adding a bunch of talent to their roster this year, so let's go ahead and break it all down for you. Joining me in studio is Las Vegas Review Journal sports columnist Adam Hill. Adam, nine players, but let's just say Day three, congratulations, you made it. How many cups of coffee did you have in these uh, last three days? I think I'm working on like 37 and 38 right now, maybe right at the same time. I think you're in the ballpark, but not quite there. Uh, it's been a wild ride. It's been a wild ride for the Raiders, for sure. We're going to hear Dave Ziegler kind of wrapping up uh, everything that the Raiders did, but we expected them to go heavy on defense, and they did. They only made nine of the 12 selections. They used some of those picks to really target some guys they wanted, move up on the draft board, uh, as we expected they might do. 12 players is a lot to draft uh, in a single year. So got nine players, six on the defensive side. The defense really needed help. I think that's really what we expected. The only thing we didn't see them do is address offensive line, but I imagine right now they're making a lot of calls, signing some undrafted free agents, and offensive line will be high on the priority list. Yeah, right now you mentioned, oh, look at that. There he is, Dave Ziegler. You say his name and he appears. Look at that. So let's go ahead and go out to Henderson, Nevada to hear from Raiders general manager Dave Ziegler. <laughs> um, before we get started, just want to, again, thanks – Thank all of, you know, all of our college scouts, all of the pro scouts, all of our coaches that were involved in the process over the last three days. Just um, really clean and excellent collaboration, communication. Uh, our area scouts who, you know, most um, live in different parts of the country have come in to, to help, you know, support us and provide feedback and provide information. And just they all just did an excellent job. Really proud of our group. I'm really proud of our coaching staff and, and our administration staff here and just everyone that's um, come together the last three days. We have a really cohesive group, a really low ego group, um, and everybody that puts the team first. And that's what we're striving to build here. And so just very thankful and, and grateful for all the people that uh, work in, in both the scouting, coaching, and operations department over the last three days. And, um, you know, here we are, and now we're moving forward to the next phase. Uh, of team building and OTAs and, and all those different things. So um, excited to move forward, excited about the last three days, and um, excited for uh, the future here and what we kind of have going on. So that's what I have. Everybody else can tell me what they have. You have several guys you picked that your coaches had an impact on at the Senior Bowl. Can yep. you talk about how big that getting that senior bowl coaching staff is, is for yeah us. yeah it's just, it's a it's another kind of detailed exposure that you often don't usually get if you don't have a coach involved um, i think we talked about it the other day but just being able to to really see how guys learn um really get to see how guys operate day to day in meeting rooms at practice interaction with their teammates those are all things that we looked at, all things that we got feedback on. It wasn't just about the football performance. It was about how they treated each other, how they interacted, what their commitment was, and all those different types of things, different positions that they could play. And so it was a really valuable uh, tool for us and something that we utilized and, and helped us uh, in the decision-making process here over the week at weekend. Uh, Aiden O'Connell was a guy that kind of had to fight his way up in the back of the line uh, over at Purdue. Um, did, does that kind of mindset play into that a little bit? What was it about him uh, that, that felt that you guys wanted to pull the trigger on that? 
Yeah, um, to that, I think he started, He was a walk-on. I think he started as the eighth-string quarterback at Purdue and worked his way all the way up and eventually became a starter there. Um, a lot of things. His, I, I'd say the one thing about quarterbacks that, that you know you don't get to see if you're just watching tape or if you're just watching games is I'd say you know over 50% of their success rate is really about what, what they're made of from the neck up. And ability, you know, intelligence, ability to process those types of intangibles, leadership, and felt like he has a lot of those different intangible qualities that we think are really, really important to have any chance to be successful in the league at a quarterback. Also, just liked, also liked the tape. To be honest with you, I watched him at the end of October and I walked down to Josh before he, he wasn't going to see him for another three or four months and said, when you watch this kid, this is going to be a guy that you like. Um, so I think a lot of the things that he, he did at Purdue, um, some of the things that he showed, there's areas to grow into, but he showed a lot of the things that we wanted um, from the quarterback position. And then when we got to meet him and spend time with him, um, he confirmed a lot of the, I'd say, neck up traits that we look for. You said multiple times this offseason um, that you need to inject the roster with you know some homegrown talent and that you want to build some competitive depth at every position. Obviously, not every single position did, but do you feel like you've started to work towards that with this draft class? Started to. You know, you un- unfortunately when you go through the draft, you're just not able you're not able to answer every question that you need. You know, as you work through it, just the way that the draft goes. There's 31 other teams that are selecting players too. And so um, we did do that at certain spots. I think there's some areas of the team that we're going to continue to look to address and improve um, and add competition. But, you know, I think definitely on the defensive line, we added some competition there um, at the safety position, at the receiver position, uh, that we, we added some competition there. We obviously added a tight end, but we still have some other areas of the team that we need to continue to grow and continue to work out, which that will kind of be the next phase that we're getting into now is, um, you know, looking at those areas, looking at what the avail- you know, other avail- available players are and see if there's other ways that we can improve the team. You guys were uh, pretty aggressive uh, the whole draft, especially today. You traded up to get the, the first three guys. Yeah. Was that part of the game plan coming in today with that much capital or just kind of how things go? Yeah, I think it was, I think it was a little bit of, of a product of this draft. Um, um, I wouldn't say the depth in this draft as we went through was probably as maybe as, as strong as it has been in past years. And so I think it was a product of just uh, just kind of how the draft started to play out and what it really started. Kind of once you get into it, you can have an idea, but you start to get a feel almost like how a game's going to be played. Um, you start to get a feel of the board and kind of what the overall surplus is or um, lack of a surplus is. And so I think that, that um, influenced some of our decision-making in terms of packaging some picks and moving up to get some targets based on what we thought was potentially going to be uh, left for us at the end of the draft. How you look at your board and the players you're able to get? Did you do better than you thought you would or about the same? Um, hmm. Haven't thought about that yet. Um, I would like to think we did better. Uh, I think that's the easy answer to say. Um, but that doesn't go without things that I'm going to go back and look at and, and, and you know, second guess some decisions here or there or, or look at, you know, how the board fell in play. I mean, there's still going to be an element of going back and quality controlling um, some of our decisions and some of the decisions that I made and things like that. But overall, we do feel really good about it. And we feel really excited about it. And, and But there'll still be areas to look at and say, hey, you know, we can improve here or there. So, um, yeah, there's always always areas to grow. How, how important was it for you to get some of those guys on defense that had production, guys that had interceptions, forced fumbles, sacks? They were able to, to do something with the yeah. ball and get it back. To the, to the 
Yeah, it was an area we wanted to improve as a team. Is just ball disruption. It wasn't it wasn't a statistical category that we ranked very high, ranked very highly in last year. And so, you know, like Jacorian, uh, I think in the last two years he had more plays on the ball than our, one of the top players in, in college football in terms of making plays on the ball. And so, yeah, guys that can you know make make plays on the football and disrupt the football or disrupt the pocket, which can cause disruptive plays, things of that nature, were some uh, definitely influential factors, especially when you're looking at corners. You're always going to that stat sheet when you're starting to watch a corner and see what their production was or lack of production, uh, what the history was there. Um, you have to be careful sometimes because of what they were asked to do in coverage and how they were asked to play, but it is an important factor. Dave, you mentioned last night about today is more about developing guys, diamonds in the rough. So you get the seventh round, 231. That's clearly mining for yeah. guys. But you find Nesta, a guy a lot of people maybe projected in the fifth round. Were you a little surprised he was there? Yeah, we were. Uh, just the production that he had this year um, at Arizona State. Now, he had started his career at Miami and transferred to Arizona State. He was a really disruptive player this year. Uh, he wasn't a player that I had been able to spend much time on prior to draft meetings. You know, you can only, I'm only able to watch so many players. But when we put on the tape, it was just surprising to see, um, this this play this inside player just how disruptive he was in the run game a lot of penetration uh, a lot of plays where he's in the backfield and just a lot of plays where he's finding the football and making tackles and so those guys are hard to find sometimes these guys that are transferring and things like that can get lost in the shuffle a little bit but um, Antonio Pierce had knew him from his recruiting days while he was at Arizona State so he had some knowledge of him and then you know the um, the new head coach at Arizona State wasn't there with Nestra but is in the building now and obviously has connections. Kenny Dillingham was um, someone that I coached at Chaparral High School when I was coaching high school football in Arizona. So there were some connections for us just to learn a little bit about his journey, learn about who he was. And he was also a guy we brought in for a 30 visit. Um, So we got to spend some time with him in the building. And so, yeah, really excited that he was there. And again, another there's going to be a lot of competition in that defensive tackle room. Um, Everyone's going to have to buckle up and and, and bring their best every day because there's going to be a lot of hungry people in that room. And going back to the uh, turnovers, uh, Christopher Smith, I think six interceptions the last two years. Um, Where do you see him fitting fitting in? Yeah, Chris Smith, when I watched him, um, you know, reminded me a lot of Deron Harmon. Um, and, and his ability, who's you know, Duran obviously was a great player for us last year. Um, but Chris is, relies on his instincts and awareness uh, to make plays on the football. As a student of the game, uh, he has a very unique ability. I would say just a pattern read, uh, look at a route concept, how it develops out, out of the um, out of the snap, and make some reads. That's, that's able that he's able himself to be in position to make plays on the football. Also, a physical kid, not the biggest in stature. When you look at Chris Smith and you just read the numbers, uh, I don't think he ran a super fast forty. He's not a super big guy, but when you put on the tape. Um, he's a guy that impresses you. He's probably, uh, you know, there's a few picks on this, but after the Chris Smith pick, you know, four or five texts from different, you know, GMs around the league where, you know, they were, they were targeting Chris Smith just because of a, how good of a football player he was. So excited about him to come in and, and see him compete with, uh, you know, with that group. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SDN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. You're up with six defensive players and three offensive. Is that the split 
I mean, and you thought it would be based on your need, or is it just the way the board felt? Wasn't a hundred percent sure, you know, how, how that was actually going to come out. Obviously, you know, there was a, a defensive focus going in or a hope I would say that it was going to be a defensive focus but you really never know how the board's going to go just and and players you're going to lose out on and there was a player or two that we were targeted that that did get picked a couple picks before we were going to take them a time or two and so uh, there was a defensive focus going in uh, but I would say you know generally speaking the board fell that way Say yes when there was maybe some things that were close here in the set today. Um, you know, we leaned a little bit heavily to have a little bit more heavy to the defensive side. You talked about um, emphasizing turning over the ball and things like that. And and, uh, and Amari Bernie had a, had a he led Florida with a couple of interceptions, mm-hmm. and he, he talks about having the best hands on that Florida team. Mm-hmm. He's been described as being somewhat of a tweener safety linebacker. Yeah. Where do you see him fitting into the defense? Yeah, we think he's a linebacker. Uh, he started as a safety, played linebacker at Florida this year, and and you know thought he did. You know that's a transition that's not super easy to make. Just your your line of vision and how you see the game from a safety position to a linebacker position. It's obviously it's a lot more quicker reaction from the linebacker spot. We thought he's done a really good job over his career developing as a linebacker. He does also have that coverage ability um, that you kind of see that safety background. And and I think, um, you know, in college, sometimes they line those guys up. They make them play a little bit more man coverage. You don't see a lot of linebackers and the pros play man coverage anymore. Obviously, you do it a little bit um, a little bit in uh, cover one. One of the things we look at when we're watching linebackers at the pro level or college level is their ability to close space and zone because that's really what they're asked to do more than anything else is drop into zone and 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 um, and, and close space. And he could do that. Also had a couple good plays in you know, playing tight ends and things like that down the seam. Um, so I think he's a versatile guy that's still growing. Impeccable traits was one of the guy, most highly thought of guys there at that Florida program. Went down there for the pro day um, this year. Myself and, and Champ were down there and got to see him in person. Uh, he ran a 4-5-1. Some clocks, they had him at a 4-4-8, uh, 4-4-9. So he's a kid that can run. So excited about the athleticism that he brings and excited about the mentality that he brings too. Dave, when it comes to determining one pick over the other, how much did the attitude, the foundational type of assets that make a player go into weighing one over the other in this particular draft for you? Um, yeah, that always plays a big role for us. Uh, I think that, you know, we've I talked about the, this at different times in my first year, but um, we have different grades that we grade in terms of we grade the player for what he does on the field. And then we also have a level of grades of, of, I would say, just the character, the football intelligence, and putting that all together. I just think it's so hard to win in the NFL that you want to be careful of how many people you're bringing in that are going to expel extra resources. We understand that everyone's developing and growing and that these are young kids. That's why we have a player development department and we have a rookie program and we have all these things to help grow individuals. But if you're spending a lot of time, I'd say um, – you know, worrying about guys being on time or, you know, extra time in the training room or immaturity and different things like that, that definitely weighs into the, to our thought process when we're making, uh, making different picks. And again, you're going to take some calculated risks and gambles. Not everyone's going to be perfect and we understand that, but, uh, the lower the maintenance on the player, I think that gives you a better opportunity, one, for that player to grow because there's less distractions and then it kind of magnifies for the team. And it's when you have a lot more people that are not maintenance and are focusing just on winning football games, I think that's a good foundation.
Obviously, uh, aggressive, making the trades up and getting Tucker in the third. How challenging is it to gauge other teams' interest in the guys you like? It's it's one of the, it, it's a challenging part of it because you really don't know. We we do put a lot of time in into studying team needs and trying to understand what other teams' draft draft philosophies are. But you, it, it's hard to know really, like exactly how they feel about maybe a specific player on their team. Maybe we have that player graded low. And they think he's, you know, uh, uh, maybe a, a starting level player, you know, while, where we think he, he's someone that they would maybe want to replace. And so there's a lot of that that's, that's tough. And then I'd say in the earlier rounds, because it is more focused on best available player, uh, it's not always tied directly into needs. That makes it a little bit more difficult, too. And so, yeah, you take some calculated risks and gambles. And sometimes, like, you know, we'll look back, we'll probably draft at a guy, you know, some guys – you know, a handful of spots too early, and I think there's probably other teams that can kind of feel the same way. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a really difficult part of the process in the draft of kind of trying to gauge all that. We put a lot of effort into it and, and try to do the best we can. Corian, what were some of the things you guys liked about him? It seems like a lot of people are pointing to the game against Ohio State in terms of how he stepped up against some really good receivers. Yeah, I think watching Jacorian and spending time watching him in 2021 and in 2022, uh, the one thing that we saw was just some growth and development as a, as a defensive back and specifically his ability. Uh, he improved his ability to find the football. Um, you know, especially making plays down the field, which for, for a defensive back is one of the more difficult things where you're running and, and tracking vertical routes, your backs to the quarterback, being able to find and play the ball. We felt like he improved in that area. Uh, he's very fast. Um, uh, as evident to his, his 40 speed, you know, he ran a 4.30, I believe, at the, you know, at the combine 4.31. And you can see that speed on tape, his ability to close space. Also, good, sturdy build, physical kid. Um, someone that we, you know, also think is going to be able to contribute in the kicking game, which is important for us. So his speed, explosiveness, and, and like I said, I think his growth from, you know, from 21 to 22, and, and, you know, we think there's more growth to, you know, for him, you know, there's some more growth for him to do, and we're excited about that. No uh, offensive lineman. Uh, is that an area to keep an eye on in uh, UDFA or post draft for you? Yeah, well, they're upstairs right now working through all that. We're going to add some, you know, we'll add some linemen um, to our UDFA class. And another way where the board just at a couple spots just didn't fall uh, that exact way. There were some offensive linemen that we targeted in the draft. A couple um, got picked a spot or two before we were going to take them, and we had to pivot and go in a different direction. But, you know, this is also the next phase of team building, also. Um, so, you know, between now and the start of the season, um, you know, there's going to be different opportunities, whether it's um, people that are still on the street, whether there's trade opportunities, whether it ends up being at the cut down. Uh, you know, there's going to be some some areas of the team that we still want to target and grow. We'll go a few more. We'll go Hondo, Case, and then Q. Dave, there's a lot of people that fall in love with specifics, height, weight, whatever. And there's some guys that maybe you didn't fit into those molds, but each of them have an edge. They come with it. They, they play with an edge. They yep. practice with an edge. It seems like that was really a, a detail for you this draft. And I'm, am I overstating it? No, I think that's right. And I would just, you know, <clears throat> philosophically, the measurables do um, play into some decision making, but it's not something philosophically that is really dominant for us. Uh, th that's not something that. Um, Say the way that I was trained, but also just what we believe in. We really just we we believe in the tape, and then we believe in the research on the background and the person. Because I think what we're looking for is people that have a growth mindset, people that have a passion and a love for football. 
so they can improve, so they can grow, so they can, you know, work on different parts of their game. And so that along with just the football tape is, is most important to us. I've seen, you know, so many guys of different shapes and sizes, um, you know, succeed in the NFL, um, from the time that I've been in the league that that's not so much as a focus for us as, as much as the tape, the attitude, um, and their love for football. Now, again, Tyree Wilson is, um, an impressive looking dude. And so like there is a, there is some elements of that too. When you can get the best of both worlds, it's great, but, um, we're not going to eliminate a specific player because of their measurables. Uh, taking you back to Aiden, when, when you say you go in the season and, and tell Josh you're, you're going to love this guy, does then he a few months later come back and, and tell you you're absolutely right? And, if it, and how often do you have those conversations with him when you're scouting someone and you, you see someone that you want to go tell him? Yeah, during the fall, I, mean, we, we, I try to limit it to let, let him focus on um, you know focus on the team and focus on football. But Josh loves the scouting aspect of the whole process. You know, some coaches do, some coaches don't. Uh, you know, Josh started in personnel um, at the beginning of his career, and so he enjoys the tape aspect, breaking down prospects, uh, kind of fitting all the puzzle pieces together. And so, yeah, when I know there's a prospect that he's going to, that I think that's going to fit um, our mold and that he's going to like, I'll let him know in the fall. He'll kind of put it to the side, and then, you know, eventually he'll come back up and tell me that I was right um, and that that's a player that he liked. I know you drafted Byron Young yesterday. I wasn't yeah. here for it, but uh, you know we know what he brings to the, the field. You know, stopping the run, really good at that. But one thing that stood out to me was when he was talking about being a winner and and helping the locker room as much. How, how much does that mentality of him being a guy who feels like he can change even the culture? How much does that help as well with the team? Yeah, it's really important. We're still at the you know the beginning stages of developing this program and and laying the foundation for the. Um, type of program we want here in Las Vegas. And so Byron has a lot of the traits. Uh, he's been a part of a winning program, uh, a part of a program that's demanding, um, and, and that uh, is kind of a cha- championship caliber breed. And so bringing players in with that DNA, that can add to what we're already putting together. We think you know, what he's about and what he's experienced is um, there's a lot of um, similarities in the things that we value. And so, yeah, to have a guy like that to kind of, you know, um, be one of the leaders of the rookie class and with, with his ideals and his experiences, I think that's going to help the whole group. All right, you guys all set? Yep. A lot of quarterbacks taking the end of the fourth round. Quarter? Quarterbacks. Yep. End of the fourth or something. Yeah. Fifth. I'm wondering, is, like, um, is there a pocket of guys that teams are looking out for? The first guy goes, all of a sudden, now it's time to get a quarterback and you kind of worry about th- how fast we're going to go? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that's what happened today because it was a crazy run on quarterbacks. I think Hayner maybe was the First, one of the first ones to go, yeah. And I think that we, I think that is what happened. I think you know people started. That's what we kind of looked at it as. Okay, here comes the run, you know. So you know, gave us a little bit more of um, you know an aggressive mindset to go up and get the guy that we wanted to get. And then you saw those dominoes continue to fall. And so yeah, that sometimes that the draft works that way. I guess it happened with the receivers in the first round too. No receivers were taken, then all of a sudden, you know, four or five went. So I do think that was kind of part of what happened today. Our last one, Levi. Uh, obviously, this is your second season with Josh McDaniels as the GM head coach. Dynamic, and even though you guys are close, how much more synergy would you say you had in this year's draft prior to last year's? More because we had more time. 
we felt like we had more time and we did have more time just to kind of work through the process of um, from the very beginning. And what I mean by that is last year that everything just felt, you know, everything was much more rushed uh, at this time last year that he was still trying to teach the coaches uh, implementing the, you know, the offensive system and the defensive system. There was more time needing to be spent for him um, with the coaching staff and, and with the players, with OTAs and things of that. And, and just a lot more preparation. I would say he, he had to spend too last year, just, as a first-year head coach in the spring, getting ready for our first kind of off-season with the players. And so there was a lot more time that we were able to spend and he was able to spend on the draft process. And so it was just um, more clarity, um, more thoroughness, I would say, for us. And, um, you know, the communication between him and myself was always very good. Um, but it just was a, just a smoother process. <clears throat> Thank you, Dave. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank Have a good weekend. See you tomorrow. Once again, so we'll be back here tomorrow, right? Wrapping up the 2023 NFL draft for us here. His team, of course, drafting nine new players in this draft class. Adam, he isn't going to say, yeah, we did horrible. We didn't pick anybody that was on our board, right? He was fairly confident in his answers there. They said that they were picking players, obviously, as they went, as the board fell. And you can never really know how the board is going to fall. But overall, would you say general manager Dave Ziegler was pretty happy uh, with his responses here? Yeah, and I think, look, any team is going to say that they got the guys that they wanted because they took the guys that are at the top of their draft board when they are on the clock. Uh, but he did mention, look, there's guys that we wanted that we thought we might get and teams took them ahead of ahead of us. And that's that's how this works. It actually sometimes that tells you you might be on the right course if other teams like the same guys you do in the same area that you do. Not necessarily you want to have part of groupthink, but yeah. definitely you want to, you know, you want to see the things similar to how other people do, how how people have scouted a player and say, look, that is a guy that we really liked. Other teams liked him too. Okay, no, we move on to plan B. But they addressed defense. That was the biggest thing. They got six new defensive players at all levels. They need playmakers all over the defense. They were able to do that. A couple of pieces here and there on offense as well, including, I think, a really good value pick in Michael Mayer, who we thought was going to go in the first round. They get him in the second. Wasn't necessarily a big area of concern. They didn't need a tight end. But he's there. He's very talented. He's a good player for the future, and they're able to grab him. So I think you, when you look what they did, they, they stockpiled areas they needed to. They got some talented players that they wanted, and now they can move forward, add some other guys in free agency here, guys that were not drafted, and then have their roster closer to being set for training camp. Yeah, well, speaking of those players, let's go ahead and hear from some of the Raiders draft players uh, that they went ahead and picked up over these last three days. New Raiders, uh, as a kid, you know, it's a great a great organization with a lot of history, a lot of great traditions. And, you know, I'm excited to be uh, at a pro, at an organization where a lot of great pass rushers have been before me. The mentality really comes from, you know, how my parents raised me. My parents always raised me to be a winner. And then when I got to Alabama, you know, that's something that we always harped on too. And so I haven't lost many games in my career. And, you know, I would love if I can go in and help that culture get to, you know, the same, just just really help improve the culture and continue to go in there and impact everybody in a positive way. And, you know, like you asked, you said, I think they'll be getting a really a great player, but also a player who can, you know, transition into becoming a leader because they already have a lot of great guys on the um, team like Chandler Jones, Max Crosby. They drafted Tyree earlier tonight. So it's going to be a deep group of guys up there, man. But I just want to come in. I want to impact it right away and I just want to you know give them everything I can it's the people around me um growing up you know I, I I was you know pretty low on the depth chart but my family my friends always made me feel like I was um you know the best quarterback in the world even when I wasn't um and so I I I think it was just um you know the support I had around me I think 
I have a passion for the game that, you know, even when circumstances around around me may seem bleak, I think because I love the game um, and I have support from others, I'm able to kind of push through those circumstances. Uh, once you feel like you've made it, just stopping and, and not not continuing to keep going, uh, that's a recipe for disaster. So not being complacent and just staying consistent, I'll say those are the two main components to winning. And that's something I learned um, uh, very early on at the University of Georgia. And I, I think it translate, translates well to the NFL. So it was surreal for the Raiders, you know, to call me. And then the feeling I had was uh, I was shaking. Uh, I didn't want to cry, but uh, I think like two tears dropped in my eyes a little bit. But uh, I was just really shaking. Uh, I couldn't really speak when we was on the phone talking. And it just really felt surreal that I get to play with my cousin. He played for the Raiders right now. So that's just, you know, some of my mom, she was talking about it a long time ago. She was like, what if the Raiders call you and then you get to reunite with your cousin for the first time? So uh, this feeling is great right now. New Raiders. Uh, as a kid, you know, oh, it's a great... Bernie, very excited now to be coming to the Las <laughs> Vegas Raiders. And with a familiar face here, his cousin that he's talking about is cornerback Brandon Faison, a six-year veteran in the NFL. He even mentioned a soundbite that we didn't include there, that he already has called Brandon and asked, hey, can I live with you because I don't want to buy a house yet. That's expensive, man. I don't blame him. If you have somebody living here already, it's a great opportunity to reach out and say, hey, look, I want to learn the ropes and also... Uh, you make some money, man. I haven't done that quite yet, so how about I uh, get some free money from you? got a spare couch, an extra futon or something? I think it's smart. <laughs> and then you can find where you want to live. You can figure it out. You can learn the city a little bit. I think it's a great way to do it. And under the guise of I want to spend time with my family, nobody really wants to spend time with their family, but <laughs> free rent is nice. Yes. I think that's good. Well, just again, your thoughts here, Adam, as we wrap up the 2023 NFL Draft. I went ahead and asked some fans on YouTube just their thoughts on what they would grade the Raiders. A fan saying a C-plus or maybe a B-minus. Somebody else given here a B-plus, I believe. Your thoughts as we wrap up here and look at the Raiders 2023 draft class. Look, it's tough. I'm going to have to do my official formal grades in the paper uh, come Monday, so uh, make sure to check that out. I'll analyze it a little further. But first reaction, I think you look and say, Got a bunch of defensive players. That was necessary. They were able to use some of those draft picks to target guys that they wanted. That's very important. Didn't address offensive line, but I don't think they had to. I think defense was more important. So in terms of filling out all levels of the defense, finding some playmakers, I think they did a good job. I think there's a couple guys they might have reached on a little bit, uh, but they went for some traits, and that's something Dave Ziegler talked about. Like, look, guys that have very high-end speed, we might go ahead and take them a little sooner than you think because that could develop into something down the road. Michael Mayer, a great steal. I'm still, there's still a couple of picks I'm a little bit skeptical of, but I think B is fair at this point. But most teams you can't really grade right now. I mean, there's some teams that really have a disastrous draft, like Detroit on day one, but they, they saved themselves as well. So uh, tough to analyze really until way down the road. But I think first glance, you go B for this draft and say they did a pretty good job of just filling out the roster a little bit. Awesome stuff, Adam. Well, thank you so much for joining me here these last couple of days. This is not the end, though, for Adam. He's going to be busy here right in, so be sure you head on over to VegasNation.com again for those grades, for a draft analysis. He's going to do a breakdown of all the players to give you some behind-the-scenes knowledge of each new player, new Las Vegas Raider here joining the Silver and Black. For all of your Raiders news, once again, head on over to VegasNation.com. He's Adam Hill. I'm Cassie Soto. Big thank Thank you to Larry Meir, Heidi Fang, Vinny Bonsignor, Leandre Fox, the whole team really putting in some work for us this week. That'll do it for the 2023 NFL Draft. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the STN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there.